from Cambridge 105 Radio, this is The Business of Cambridge with Sue Keogh. For episode 9 of series 1, we're back in Sue's office on Mill Road to talk about money. Hey, welcome to the Business of Cambridge and on today's show we're talking about something which is critical to the success of any business and that is money. Welcome to the show Kelly Anstey from Taxwag. Hi Sue, thanks for bringing me along today. What kind of businesses do you work with on a day-to-day basis? So the business types that we have on board totally vary. We've got your standard subcontractors and builders that you have that are sole traders and that can go up to partnerships and limited companies so it can vary from say models to eyelash company to executive drivers consultants somebody that works for microsoft the list goes on it's just so varied i couldn't list them all and the name is Taxwag, so does this mean you just focus on tax or is it accountancy in general? I do love tax personally myself. We obviously provide the compliance services of accountancy and payroll and VAT, um, but tax is something that I really enjoy. Um, it I changes. think you must be the first person I've ever heard. <laughs> well, there's always one, you know, I am yeah. that one. <laughs> um, so you can only really help clients if they know about it and also they don't know what's available unless you let them know, which is where sort of Taxwag comes in. We like to fill people in with what they need to know. And also Neil Loveday from PwC. And what's your full title? My title is um, I'm a private business specialist. So I support startups and scale-ups in particular. I try to help fast-growth businesses, in particular helping them with advisory services and also the compliance services, the bookkeeping, the tax, the year-end. But then trying to add more value in terms of the advisory work, in terms of spotting particular needs as they start to grow, international expansion, specialist tax support services, etc., etc. So really trying to help them on a growth journey with their finance needs. So between you, it's quite a spread of different customers, isn't it? One thing that you both mentioned to me when I was doing the research and the prep for this show was cash flow. And there's a phrase that we hear all the time, which is cash flow is king. And it sounds to me like this is not going out of fashion anytime soon. So can we just explore this a little bit? Kelly, why is cash flow so important to a small business? Well, it's the difference between having a business and not having a business. It is as literally black and white as that, unfortunately. They always say that turnover is vanity. Profit is sanity and cash is king. And those three things are super important in business, especially when you're starting out, um, especially when you want to scale up. It's super important that you're down with your numbers. If you're not, it's just a ticking time bomb. Unfortunately, you will go out of business. And is this something you see happen quite a lot, that, that small businesses are not keeping control of the cash flow? I'm not sure of what the figure is off the top of my head, but it's a very, very, very large proportion of companies that start up in the first year and they just don't make it. Um, I can't remember what the percentage is for five years, but it's not massively high. And currently there's a quarter of the UK self-employed, so we're on about a lot of failed businesses that are just failing to prepare. And how about you, Neil? Is this something that you see quite a lot with yeah. your clients? I think you talked about the stat being around 80, 80% of businesses within the first five years will fail. I mean, at the end of the day, we have to realise that a profitable business can fail. It's, if you don't have the money in the bank, then there's failure on the horizon. If you don't collect in your money, if you pay your bills too quickly, or you fill your warehouse with stock in readiness for orders, which maybe don't materialise, then you could potentially run out of money. So cash is very much king. And what are those warning signs that businesses should look out for? I mean, apart from just the cash in the bank going down, but are there any other indicators that people should look out for? It's sometimes hard to spot because, you know, you might think that you're doing very, very well in terms of your profit. So your sales that you've invoiced might be terrific. 
but that doesn't necessarily mean that the customers are going to pay you on time. In some ways, cash flow is quite hard to spot if you're not on top of it. So what we would you be doing is a cash flow forecast to try and monitor that, try and see where there's going to be the peaks and troughs within that plan. You should know when your customers are expecting to pay you. You should know when you're expecting to pay out. You should know when you want to buy some fixed assets or some plant and equipment. And you should know when you're planning to, um, let's say, produce your next um, round of stock. So if you're able to predict all of that and plan for that within a simple cash flow, that should give you some idea of your cash position day in, day out, month in, month out. I think sometimes startups possibly just don't know what they're looking for. Um, totally agree with you. They should know when they're going to get their next stock, etc. But then that's why they've got us, isn't it? Because they can then come back to us and say, well, look, you know, I'm doing all of this, but something doesn't feel right. Even if they can't sense it, as you said, there's an opportunity for us to spot it and help them. But then that takes you on to a sort of um, the additional perspective, of actually knowing your numbers full stop. Often a lot of businesses will rock up to their accountants with a bag of receipts at the end of a tax year. Um, I miss those days. <laughs> and, and so what are those tools that businesses should use so that they've got a bit more of a handle on it themselves without just having to talk to the accountant? Personally, for me, I feel like the software that you can get now is in your pocket. If you know the couple of things you should be looking out for, you will be able to keep on top of it. And perhaps even if you've got a question surrounding something as a customer that you know might be an issue, obviously the accountant might not see that. So I do just think it's a matter of working closely and reviewing stuff regularly. Like as experienced advisors, we know what to look for. But as you said, you know, if the profits are high and the expenses are low, everything should be fine. But just because you're going to work, don't mean you're going to get paid for it. What I would say is these days uh, there are a lot of accounting packages on the on the high street that can be bought off the shelf that are very very simple to use, yeah. um, such as QuickBooks, Zero, Sage Accounting. These can all be bought for a few pounds, Next to nothing, and they're yeah. actually worth having a go with. So fundamentally, accounting isn't hard. It's about debit and credit. It's um, left and right. It should balance at the bottom. It's just the same as you would be looking at for your own personal. Personal finances. Um, finances. I think if I just draw my mind to one of the clients I'm thinking of, he's heavily dyslexic. So he does rely on us to give him that sort of extra push that he needs. I think that might be where we're slightly different because we will sort of sit down with them and work out, you know, what they need. Um, A lot of them just don't know. As you said, to the bigger client that's looking to go international, they may well know. But I think, you know, your average person that just thought, you know what, I'm really good at designing websites. I'm I'm just going to make it my business. They might just be really good technically at what they do and just need them extra couple of parts to help them along. No, I agree. Why don't I paint my house? I don't paint my house because I'm no good at it. Um, Not because you can earn more money on it doing something else, no. (laughs) I think this is something you see particularly in a restaurant trade, don't you? So people that are brilliant chefs decide to set up a restaurant when actually they don't really have the business skills to go with it. So how do you handle those sort of situations where maybe you want to advise someone to take a step back financially and let you look after the books? There has to be a level of trust. I'd like to hope that all of our clients on board have that trust in us to do so. I mean, I think accountants, aren't we the second most trusted advisor in the UK? I think only doctors come before us. Trust and honesty at the end of the day, you know, I can only account for information you know that's about. given yeah. me. You know, so it's duff information in equals duff information out. Mm. Um, so therefore, fundamentally, I will always need themselves. some support from the, the client themselves. Mm. 
And are there any clients that you wouldn't work with, Kelly? So I'm interested, you know, tax swag, the name tax. I wonder if some people are drawn to that who are maybe looking for someone who's going to help them, you know, <laughs> just throw it a few quid away. <laughs> well, you know, legally, there's no problem with that. Um, you know, there is the odd person that wants to ask me a question that's slightly would raise an eyebrow. But I just sort of explain to them that we're not that sort of firm. I think that's the easiest way to put it. But yeah, people who have misconstrued the business name in the past, but I'm hoping with the younger generation coming up, they're going to totally understand what the definition of swag is because it isn't a pot of money with a burglar bill bag. So what would you say swag is now to the younger generation? Swag to me is just, you know, being on point, having all your stuff organised all together, you know, your eyebrows on fleek. I mean, obviously not fleeky eyebrows, but, you know, that sort of thing. It's just about having your business grounded so that you know what you're doing with it and so that it's an attractive part of your life you don't want to have something that's literally like you know a big dog over your shoulders there's just this heavy cloud you know you want it to make you happy and there are only two reasons you're in business to make money and to make yourself happy and if you go self-employed if you're not doing either of them things then you've either got to change your behavior expectations that's all it comes down to those two things what i'd add is that the advisor can also help with particular nuances you know there are lots of tax rules that people aren't aware of for example there are many many tech businesses that are not um, claiming r and tax credits and <laughs> um, there's you know the advantage of taking dividends over salaries there's still schemes around vat flat rate tax schemes for example that can be advantageous and they are within the uh, remit legal of the, remit, the legal yeah. yeah i like that legal so, remit yeah, yeah. so it's, it's the worth exploring that and that is where sometimes the accountant's fee can be offset by yeah, um, the, the terrific yeah. savings you can make So can we go back to something that you said a moment ago, Neil, which is about late payments? And this is something that I know from personal experience as well can be such a problem for small businesses. So how do you advise people here? How do you help them make sure that clients and customers pay up? A good policy in terms of um, collecting debts. So, you know, regularly phoning, making sure you get some definite decisions out of the customers as to when they're going to pay and then following up on that and um, continuing to chase them i think if you're at the point where you've already billed them then yeah that's probably your only choice is just to stay in touch but i mean in the early days why not do a credit check on somebody why not i mean obviously for a brand new company that's not quite as straightforward but yeah credit checks are the way forwards making sure your own clients have got their terms and conditions like fixed in their stuff you know one of the softwares you mentioned earlier has the ability where a client can sign off a quote within the app and it saves it in the phone that helps a lot of builders if someone tries to turn around and say well we didn't quote that but yeah I just feel like as you said sorting it out halfway through is always good and getting your invoicing out of the door so you know if if I had the choice of invoicing on the 31st at the end of the month or the the first then I would always say invoice on the 31st but companies will play the trick of taking that extra 30 days from the first and taking another 30 days actually so making sure that you invoice on time is really important one thing i learned in my own business actually is where you're recharging certain things like fees for stuff or perhaps software if you bill it three months in advance and you have a money issue with a client i mean most conversations are about money but you know in terms of your own money you can have it out with them then and just sort of say well look you know we're billing you in advance and that gives you a three month window to decide what you're going to do about the next fee or the next service that you want to provide for somebody but some people are just working, 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 and they're not taking the time to sit and think about what they're doing. So perhaps they build late, like what you said. So if the customer had a gripe, perhaps they've not managed to bring it up in good time, which then means that they've got a sour opinion about the invoice, and then you've got to go through the collection process of sorting it out and why and that sort of stuff. One of the nice things that I find with the accountancy software out there, like um, 
sage and zero and everything is that it shows you when the customer has viewed the invoice and powerful. i found that very useful powerful i didn't <laughs> get the they, invoice oh, it's funny the computer did. Did. Yeah, yeah. I'll just screenshot you what I'm looking yeah, at. Exactly. You can let me know we'll what you think. Yeah, 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 that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we're uh, on Cambridge 105 Radio today. We're talking about money on the business of Cambridge with Kelly Anstey from Taxwag and Neil Loveday from PwC. And you were talking before about budgeting. So if you're very new to running a business, how do you do that? How do you budget? How do you forecast ahead? Have you got any tips on that, Neil? Two things I would say, set a sales budget first and foremost, what do you think you're you're going to sell? And then what are the costs associated with that sale? And then what are the overheads that you need? For example, how much rent are you gonna be paying? How many employees do you have? Therefore, what are the salary costs? And build it up in that simple way, building the profit and loss in the first instance. And then obviously you can then lead on to the cash flow and the balance sheet and build that up on a month by month basis. So it's generally good practice to have a year's forecast and that can be different scenarios as well. So you can have a good, a bad and an ugly scenario. So if you have those three in place, then you can try and task yourself with going with the middle ground. And if you exceed that, then fantastic. But you've also got that fallback position of the worst case. And if you plan your cash flow around that worst case, then you at least start to plan and then the key thing is then monitoring against that so knowing your actuals month by month as well as the budget so it's all very well having a budget but if you don't have anything actual to monitor against it then what was the point of doing the budget in the first place and what are you doing this in is it a spreadsheet is it a physical book you know what so what be, are the tools it, it, of the it, trade it can be a number of things it can be, <laughs> an, it, can, it can be handwritten it can be an excel spreadsheet there's lots of softwares that bolt onto some of the packages that i mentioned earlier that can be used in terms of budgeting and forecasting it's the same as you would do for your personal finances i'm sure we all you know budget our household spend for the year maybe you know how much the holiday going to be etc etc can we afford that it's, it's no different to doing that on a personal level for a business i think also with startups like a startup of good quality would have already put a business plan together so there is your said cash flow for the first year if, if you're approaching business in the right way then that as you said you've already got your figures and you can just run with them and then you've got your actuals to compare but yeah a good business startup always has a good business plan that can be tweaked and reviewed and go back to it there's no point writing it if you're never going to look at it again go back to it monthly whatever just do it <laughs> is that something that you find a lot the people write it and they think right yeah. job done and then they just leave it on file somewhere yeah which is a real shame i mean i've i've gone back to mine from time to time i've just hit i've hit five years last september so i'm looking forward to seeing what it's going to look like at year six but yeah i try to look at it every six months and um, there's things we put into place every quarter but yeah my own for my own purposes i like to get the business plan out just to remind me what i'm doing and why i'm doing it so you practice what you preach yeah basically there's nothing wrong with changing tact halfway through a year yeah Um, you've got to do it sometimes but the main thing is that actually you then rebudget and you um know what the horizon is going to look like and the reason why you know if you as you said if you've got that third scenario where it all just went a bit wrong you need to work out why and make sure it don't happen again or what can you do to prevent it and so what are those sort of day-to-day good practices that people should put in place for, for good money management in their business? I always look at what's due and when. I, I put it in my diary. I know what I've got to pay. In terms of businesses, I think that the best thing you can do is just be aware. Like, don't be out there working, working, working and not taking that time to sit down and look at your cash flow and your bank account. It's really important. Like, even if you're just looking at your profit and loss for the week, you're soon working out if you've made any money. If you've got, you know, staff working for you as well, you might be able to identify perhaps where there could be some improvements. And that 
is probably what's going to see you through against other businesses it is just sitting down and be accountable for what you're doing and what your plan is as I said there's no point doing something and only half doing it if you're going to do it do it properly did you say earlier, Neil, it was 80% of businesses fold in the first year? that sort of it's five, first five years. First five yeah. years. So, mm-hmm. so what is it on the day-to-day that they're not doing that they should be putting in place? It's not necessarily about not doing, is it? I mean, businesses... Some of it's unforeseen. Businesses mm-hmm. fail because they've been adventurous and it hasn't worked out. You know, there's, there's no shame in that. Sometimes businesses are adventurous and they don't succeed. They take a chance on something and... Um, Ultimately, it fails. Uh, you know, there are several business owners at Microsoft and Apple. I think they had two or three goes before they had this success. So it's having a go and being prepared to fail that's more important than actually trying to be overly cautious. You won't be a fast growth business if you don't try and go for it. And how much does the, the Cambridge business community, how much is it set up for success? Because it does seem to be in some this ways a bubble. Is, it does seem yeah, to thrive. Yeah, this town is like, for me, I just think this is like a million dollar town. Even, I remember when the credit crunch kicked in 2007 or whatever, nothing happened. Literally nothing happened in Cambridge. A few people that were perhaps overspending being a little bit adventurous they got took out the game quick but and only really the hard strong business survivors got through that period so if you look at now I think it's nice to see that time's moved on and so even with Brexit and the sort of bit of paralysis in the economy perhaps I feel like Cambridge is cool I mean you might have a different opinion in terms of the bigger size businesses that are doing international stuff but um, for me I feel like this town's fine it don't matter what happens in this town there's always going to be money here and that's not a bad thing. <laughs> well, no. It's for everybody. There's so much business in Cambridge for everybody. Like it's just amazing how much culture's in this town, how much money's in this town. It just it fascinates me. This town, it's amazing. I think that's the thing. We see a lot of variety. Obviously, that that though Cambridge is big enough for all kinds of advisor. For example, there are businesses such as myself dealing with quite large, fast growth businesses. There are lots of people that are acting as finance directors, interim finance directors, and supporting um, a lot of high-tech businesses. And there are also accountants dealing with the smaller companies. So there is a plethora of opportunities for for everybody. And that's that's surely shows the success of Cambridge, to be honest. Going back to what you said earlier about when some businesses fail, I forgot to say it, but I just wanted to get it in there now. Even if you fail, there's still some tax planning around that, so don't worry. <laughs> it's not always bad if you fail. You know, if one business flops, then, you know, you could just roll on with the next one. SEIS, that's why it's there for. Okay. <laughs> Only for now about it, though. <laughs> so let's think about growth for a moment. So your business is up and running, everything's going well, everyone's paying on time, that's all good. You're budgeting, you're planning ahead. So what are those kind of cornerstones of good money management if you want your business to grow? I'd just like to instill three things in um, businesses, if I might. One is having good governance. So that's making sure that you're sticking to the statutory requirements. So making sure that you're filing everything on time, you're paying all your tax dues and such like on time, and you're really on in control of your so the governance of the business. The second one would be then actually having the control. So there is plenty of software that can be of use to businesses. So there is no reason why businesses shouldn't really try and have a go at keeping their monthly accounts in order. And then when you are keeping your monthly accounts in order, use that information insightfully. Make sure that you understand what the information that is being produced out of your accounting system is telling you. Don't, and you understand don't, the terminology too. <laughs> don't, don't put it straight in the dust box. Don't be fearful that it's a whole load of spreadsheet of numbers. Put it into a graph or something. 
A simple, Put it into a frame, a, be proud of it. A, 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 a simple graph of the historics will tell you a lot more than looking at a whole raft of numbers. So those three things, governance, insight and control are really important. Above all, obviously cash is king. But if you consider those three things, you'll have a well-run business. How about you, Kelly? What, what do you see in businesses that you work with that grow and do really well? What are those sort of common patterns? Staff, usually, probably one of the biggest issues. Could As have in a, having a high wage bill every month? No, not necessarily. Just having the right people in the right places. Like if you're going to expand from, say, one office into two, and you've then got two sets of people to run, two sets of culture to sort out, I don't know how many different relationships. I think that can be quite challenging for someone who's, say, great with their hands but not so good with the managerial side of it you know they're great technically um, they're things to consider on a smaller scale you might be good at what you do but can you scale a business it's a big thing it's not you can't just do it with your eyes shut and what about other things that you see in, in businesses that are doing really well? They're happy people. Like there's a big difference between a happy client and a not happy client. Um, and you tend to find that then people that are down with their figures are switched on, are interested in their business. They're not just going out because, you know, they're self-employed for the sake of it. They're like the happiest people. Makes for a better working day, I think, in my life. When people are a bit sort of head in the sand about it, or sometimes something I hear a lot is people saying, oh, not very tech savvy, so they wouldn't necessarily want to start with Zero and QuickBooks and all the rest of it. Where do people go for advice nowadays? To the accountant, the local chamber of commerce, a small business federation. federation. There are a plethora of um, organisations that can help these days. Also, if you want industry-specific advice, speak to someone in your industry someone that's been through it, it's an older person that perhaps has been there, done that and retired. They're the best people to speak to. They've lived it all. <laughs> yeah, because it can be quite isolating, can't it, if you've got money problems and maybe there's the pride thing as well, so people don't want to say out loud, or oh, actually, business is, is uh, in a bit of trouble at the moment. If that's not addressed, when you, as a business owner, if you feel like that and you're not addressing it, please go and address it because it's only going to spiral out of control. The sooner you address it, the smaller the snowball will be. Please reach out for help if you need it. Don't wait till it's too late. There's always a solution. Um, you know, I've worked in, in industry most of my life, actually, within small businesses. I've worried about cash flow in my sleep. I've hired and fired my friends. Been there, done that. And yeah. <laughs> I've experienced some rough times in some of the businesses I've worked with. And actually, there is always a remedy. You know, For example, there are remedies from the customers in excise. There are remedies from landlords. The thing is not to get worried actually raise the subject sooner rather than later and then hopefully a remedy will come rather than leaving it too late and then it's more of a problem. We're actually recording this in my offices which are over the bank formerly known as Lloyd's on Mill Road and I saw over the course of a couple of years all these different Lloyd's branches closing down. How useful are banks nowadays to a small business? Banking has changed over the last 20 years now. 20 years ago there were the big four there are now lots more online providers, uh, not just banks, but also financial institutions wanting to help small businesses. So there is much more, many more products available to help businesses, whether that's invoice factoring, whether that's uh, short-term loans, whether that's other banking products. And so actually, I think in many respects, the days of the old bank manager relationship have gone, but actually what they've been change to is a much more solution-based world. A lot of the apps that you have now for the banks, um, I won't name any, but a lot of them, you can do your accounting side by side with them. 
so that in itself produces what they need. Does it make it a bit harder though that it, you can't really talk to a human so easily? I mean, we've all been on the phone to HMRC, for example, or your bank where you go through some horrendous menu system and it just puts people off from making that initial contact, which I wonder if sometimes means that they're not dealing with those problems early, they're not nipping in, them in the bud. I'll definitely say if it's anything revenue related, it gets down to us to make the phone call. I've been on hold for 30 minutes today. Um, just to be told they hadn't issued the letter that I had straight in front of me, so that was quite a frustrating process. But, you know, that's Her Majesty saw you. Thanks for that today, guys. That was great. <laughs> I thought you said you loved working in tax. No, I do. Just the revenue doing wedding. But I do love tax. I do love it. And also, it's all right. If you know the shortcuts on the phones, you know who, what department to ring and who to get through to. It can, it can be a dream. There are some people that work there that are lovely, and there's some other people that work there that are just reading from a script. So it's difficult dealing with the new staff when they're on the phone sometimes. They're not the best customer experience in the world. So what are those uh, things that you always tell small business owners, either when they start up about good money management or perhaps when they get into a bit of, bit of trouble? The best bit of advice that I could give to a small business owner would be systemise your business, review your figures and save for your tax. Not only for your tax, but save for a rainy day. You know, for me, a good business has got at least six months' money in the bank just in case things go wrong. And the other thing that I'll always tell my customers is make sure your customers get the best customer experience they can because that, my friend, is what's going to get you more money. Nothing else, not knowledge, not power, not nothing but customer experience. That's what you have to focus on. So do you often find that people come to see you expecting to talk about tax and accounts, but you're giving them other advice on the side? Yes, I do. But I kind of have that personality where people just sort of open up and tell me all sorts of stuff, really. It's quite strange. Like a therapist? Yeah. yeah. Tax therapist? Lit- yeah, literally, yep. It's strange, but it's nice that they feel safe and they can come in and have that ground with us. Yeah, we're the critical friend. We're the um, advisor, the critical friend. Can't let my wife know that. I better tell the accountant. She'll help me get through it. A shoulder to cry on. Yeah, yeah, definitely a shoulder to cry on, definitely. So, Kelly, there's the classic thing with tax where the 31st of January is looming and everyone suddenly gets very active and starts to do something about it. Can you just uh, share with me a few thoughts about good time management in tandem with good money management? Yes, of course. So budgeting kicks in with that. So I would say if you want to manage your time effectively, then make sure that you are blocking out blocks in your diary to go through what you want to go through so if it's a budget you know try not to do it in the middle of your working space because you'll find that you'll get distracted make the time find a clear space get your mind set with your computer because you're going to need that and be realistic about your costs and your income in terms of reviewing your figures for me personally I look at my bank account my profit and loss every day I'm probably a little bit addicted to it probably no one else does it that often maybe weekly I would say you want to be looking at your figures monthly for anything that you think might need reviewing but in just in terms of making sure you're making a profit every week you should be looking at your figures and then sort of the management side of stuff the things that you think right I want to change that what could I perhaps forecast for the future I would look at that on a monthly basis minimum so that's really good advice so anybody listening to this then once you've got to the end of the show then go and find a quiet corner and go through your books I think that's what the the tip is isn't it thank you so much Kelly Anstey from Taxwag and Neil Loveday from PwC and that's it for now join me next time on the business of Cambridge where we'll be discovering even more stories from the local business community By the way, the SEIS you heard about earlier is the Seed Enterprise Investment Scheme. It's a government initiative to help startups, and you can see more details on the HMRC website. Next time, it's the final episode of Series 1, and the subject is sustainability. 
Business of Cambridge is a TDC production for Cambridge 105 Radio.